0: hello and welcome to simon miller's pro wrestling show my name is simon miller this is a pro wrestling show and i want to thank you very much from the bottom of my heart for taking the time out of your day to come and listen to my stupid voice it means a lot to me i appreciate it you are good people all around if you are brand new even better to have you in the midst if you don't know here's what you've got to do there's like there's like now rules when it comes to simon's pro wrestling show make sure you subscribe to the youtube channel just search for simon miller you will find my uh, face i'm stood there in my wrestling gear give that a subscribe that's how you can watch me do these podcasts sometimes live on YouTube, but because I aren't, the only reason I'm able to do my YouTube channel and my podcast and all and my wrestling, to be honest, is because of patreon.com forward slash assignment of 316. We all know about crowdfunding. We all know that it's slightly ridiculous, but my word has it helped my life so much and allowed me to do this. Uh, and I like to give back. I basically like to treat Patreon like a shop. So if you go on there, you can get a postcard, you can get a message, you can get a t-shirt, but also you can actually come on the podcast. And that is what we do with the episodes. They almost go live every Weekend. And today my man he's been on before, he's been on again. He will be on in the future, I'm sure. It's all the way from the other side of the world. It's my man Nick. Nick, how you doing today?
1: Simon, you have the most beautiful voice on all of YouTube. Don't let anyone <laughs> tell you any different. All right. I am doing very well.
0: Thank you. <laughs> I, I appreciate that, man. We t- I told this story the other day. It's incredible when people say that to me. <laughs> my voice used to get me in trouble. It did. It did. I worked it I, I could tell literally I'm like Stone Cold Steve Austin. I'm telling the same story. But I worked in an L-shaped office. And they moved me to the bottom of the L because they were like, Simon, your voice carries too much. It it just carries too much. And I was like, oh, man, I've been owned. And now I get lovely things like that said. And basically, my voice makes me a living, which is weird, right? That's kind of strange. But look, it just goes to show that as the years pass, things change, things evolve, things move forward. And that's why today we're going to be a bit retrospective. And we're going to look back through the wrestling year. Now, it's a hard thing to do because... There is ultimately going to be things that we have forgotten about, but we will do our best not to do that. <laughs> and look, we can always do. Uh, you know, if I miss anything, we could we can always sort of tidy that up in, mm. in a future episode. Um, I mean, let's start. Let's start with companies. Man, well, no, let's not let's, let's not do that. Let's start with years. I mean, January. When I think about January, the first thing that comes to my head is uh, Wrestle Kingdom for New Japan. You know, which it feels like it happened in a different universe now, but obviously it was it wasn't the start of all elite wrestling because obviously we know that story and we'll talk about that today but you know uh tanahashi defeated kenny omega for the iwgp heavyweight championship pretty much signaled the end i mean there was a few more things but you know it was kind of the start of him leaving the company and obviously uh, kind of fascinatingly and i don't know where there's a conversation in this he's obviously all in ha lol lol with all elite wrestling But we don't see him very much. You know, he comes and goes, Kenny Omega. He is certainly not there. He is going to be one day. But at the moment, he is certainly not the shining star that I thought he would be in in AEW.
1: Yeah, and I think that's because, you know, the hardcore wrestling fans already kind of deem him as, you know, the best wrestler in the world. Um, To be honest, completely honest, I really don't think that but that's only because I haven't really followed Kenny Omega's career because, oh, of course, man. Yeah. because it's primarily in New Japan. And, yeah, I, I did say in a previous podcast that I generally don't watch New Japan, but, again, if if stuff happens, I'll hear about it through my my YouTube channels and stuff. So, and, yeah, that was really... Um, that came along at a really good time when uh, Omega dropped the belt and and he was able to go and help out, uh, start all elite wrestling. Um, and, and you're right. He, if you look back at his, his matches in all elite wrestling, he he's kind of been like kind of on an even playing field, you know, cause, um, I mean, he still performs really well, but you know, he's obviously not putting himself over, which he, honestly should not be doing he should be kind of giving that rub to other people and but but i think that's a a cool thing for him to do and plus he's a video gamer like us so that's a bonus
0: <laughs> no it's true kenny omega is very relatable uh that's uh that's the the cool thing about uh about him is that yeah he's just super relatable he's just super super relatable like he You know, he came out dressed as, um, what uh, did you call the name of the game Undertale. Yeah, he came out dressed as Undertale character. I mean, it still blows my mind that somebody in wrestling did that. Incredible. Absolutely (laughs) incredible. So, yeah, that's kind of where January starts. And then I guess if I miss anything, man, please do jump Mm -hmm. in. But I guess we kind of move on to the Royal Rumble, which let's not forget was won by Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch. And now, now, I mean, not, not necessarily Becky Lynch. I think she's had a pretty sturdy year all around. But Seth Rollins hasn't. Seth Rollins' journey in 2019 has gone over like Rover at the Royal Rumble, smashed it at WrestleMania, and then slowly fallen off a cliff.
1: I don't, I don't understand how it happened. Well, well, yeah, he was going downhill. He kind of bumped up a little bit when he beat Lesnar at SummerSlam because I thought that was a really good match. But definitely after SummerSlam, you know, that's when things really just went tumbling down the hill. Um because, yeah, he basically fell into, you know, Roman Reigns circa 2015 to 2018 a little bit, you know, where it's like, I mean, can't really say, I mean, do you feel like he's been like shoved down our throat like Roman was?
0: Uh, yeah, a little bit. I, I, not necessarily shoved down our throat, just poorly booked. Yeah, that's you know, what the I was Yeah. Yeah, but but that is kind of the same thing, isn't it? It's like, um, it all still stems from behind the curtain as opposed to what he was doing. You know, it was nothing that he was doing specifically. Like, it wasn't like a... Uh, Well, actually, I guess it kind of always is similar. I was going to mention The Rock in the in the mid nineties, but uh, that was similar, wasn't it? That was kind of the same thing. He was being shoved down our throat, so people people didn't like him. So, no, I I do think that's the case. I think we just we made a mistake by putting him in that match with the Fiend, which obviously I'm sure we'll get to later. Um, And I think that's proven by the fact that I remember watching that Raw Rumble. I mean, the show itself was way too long at that baseball stadium. But I remember, you know, the only the only two logical winners to me when it came to to the Raw Rumble was Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch. I was, I don't know who else we can do it. I think it's one of those wrestling situations where I hope that we do get the expected outcome, even though it's going to be obvious. Cause I'll find that satisfying. So yeah, I, 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 uh, it, it's just, it's just been a crazy 12 months and it goes to show how, I don't know,
1: how un. what's
0: the word I'm looking it's,
1: for? It's, um, it's the fact that, you know, WWE just, they struggle to book babyfaces faces. Especially when they find the one that they want to represent their company, like like Seth, you know, because they put the universal title on him. But it's like once they put the top belt on somebody, that's that's where the problems start because
0: yeah, I they, agree totally.
1: Their their booking suffers, or the or that uh, top guy will say or do certain things that doesn't sit well with the fans, and. It paints a bad image. So, but, but that's been WWE's problem for a long time. They, uh, they're They good at creating good, like, babyface builds a la, you know, Kofi Kingston. But once they get the belt, again, that's, that's where things begin to settle. And then that's when we realize that, hmm, this really isn't going very well. In in our opinion, obviously. And I'm not saying lack. sorry. And I'm not it, saying, it uh, and, and I'm so not saying there you go. I'm not saying like Kofi's run was bad, but a lot of people will say it was a bit under underwhelming.
0: Mm. So. I think they they struggle. They they're quite good in the chase, mm-hmm. which again, you know, is true of you know Daniel Bryan back at WrestleMania 30, Seth Rollins, Kofi Kingston. But you're right, when a baby says gets the title, it's like they don't really know what to do with it. They kind of struggle and they're like, How do we keep the you know, that was Stone Cold Steve Austin, right? They kept the they kept the fires alive, mm. but it doesn't really feel that way anymore. It just feels like, yeah, we kind of, we run out of ideas, and hence why we put Seth Rollins against Spray White, because we didn't, again, there was no other concepts. There was no other direction that we had. And I guess that comes down to, to short-term versus long-term booking. And you mentioned Kofi Kingston, when we move into February. Obviously, that's when, I mean, the Kofi Kingston dream had already started, mm. but it's when we had the Elimination Chamber, and we had, you know, we had... This idea that maybe Kofi Kingston was going to win the title there. He didn't. Obviously, Daniel Bryan retained. But it was the start to Kofi Mania, as it was called at the time. And this is another thing that's crazy to me when you look back now. Because you just remember the the sheer joy everybody had at WrestleMania when he did beat Daniel Bryan. As we found out recently on the uh, WWE podcast, they do Beyond the Bell or whatever the hell it's called. That's you that. know, it was after the belt it was like it was you know it was Daniel Bryan really pushing for that and everyone's like this is his time you got to make you got to make sure it happens and you know it all happened let's not forget because of Ali getting injured I mean that's the crazy thing none of it was meant to happen it wasn't the cards at the start of 2019 nobody thought that Kofi Kingston would be the WWE champion you get an injury to a guy that was going to be at a spot um, probably at elimination chamber he gets taken out Kofi Kingston goes in it, it, it's almost the polar opposite to everything that we were saying. And yet we still ended up in the same place, which is kind of crazy to me. Like it's absolutely kind of crazy to me that, um, here we are in December and Kofi Kingston is a tag team champion, still a great wrestler, but lost his title after what, six, 12 seconds, whatever hell it was against, against Brock Lesnar. It's nuts.
1: Yeah. Um, and I'm sure we'll get to that at some point, but anyway, uh, what you said, uh, I'm trying to remember. Um, the Cove Kingston build? Yeah. It's like, okay, yeah, I remember what I was going to say. Uh, and right there, that's an example of just fate intervenes, and yet we get something completely unexpected, something we we uh, didn't expect to see, and, and we love that. You know? It, it just goes to show when, when WWE has to, I mean, most of the time when they have to plan something at the very last second or they have to switch something. It just, it works out better. You know,
0: I think there's numerous examples this year of them back uh, booking with their backs against the wall. And actually, yeah, coming out higher than they would have done with their plans when I mean, we saw with the NXT invasion. And yeah, it kind of started here. Okay. They lost lead. They needed to bring somebody else in. They put Kofi Kingston in. And interestingly, you know, they listened to the fans, which is something that we uh, criticize WWE for a lot. But they could have easily ignored the swell of support for Kofi and not done it. But credit to them, you know, from January all the way through to April, I think uh, I'll tell you. And uh, WrestleMania this year was the 7th of April. So, yeah, for a good four months, we went, you know, we, we went all in with this. And it's it's. I, I it just goes to show that you know, maybe it, it does come down to the fact that we have so much wrestling in a year. But it's fascinating to see the involvement or devolvement that a character can have over over a twelve month a twelve month period. And obviously the Elimination Chamber. This this sums up exactly what we were just talking about. Was also where we crowned our first women's tag team champions. <laughs> you know, Bailey and Sasha Banks defeated Carmella and Naomi. Who I think it was Carmella and Naomi. Yeah. Mandy Rose and Son Deville, Nia Jackson, Tamina and the Iconics and the Riot Squad. Mm-hmm. That's on the top of my head. That could be completely wrong. But again, I remember when they gave it to Sasha Banks and Bayley. We're like, oh, they going to go to NXT? They're going to SmackDown. They're going to go to Raw. They're going to go all over the place. You know, it's going to be great. And we didn't... Yeah, we didn't... We didn't... We didn't really pull the trigger with it. And here we are in December and the Kabuki Warriors have gone heel. And not the smartest thing in the world, but I do think they're making the best of it. But those belts have already fallen down into you know U.S. title, IC title territory, which sucks. I think it would have been so much better if we, we, they could have felt like they were important.
1: Well, yeah. And I mean, if you remember hearing the stories that uh, Vince McMahon didn't even want women's tag belts. And so, I, I don't know, this feels horrible to say, but it honestly wouldn't be surprising that when they finally did bring those belts in, it's like... It feels like Vince just purposely put them in that, you know, mid-card obscurity situation like the IEC and U.S. titles uh, because he, he didn't really want them to begin with. and And also that's why we haven't seen those belts used in the way that we were told they were going to be used, like they were going to be defended across all brands. And, you know… Look! Look what happened when we finally got a women's tag title match in NXT when it was the Kabuki Warriors against uh, Tegan Nox and Dakota Kai. That happened like literally not that long ago, and the belts were introduced earlier this year. You know, so I'm at least at least someone is trying something, you know. And and it wouldn't be surprising if it's Triple H. You know, I'm sure he's the one that's trying to make things feel important. And, uh...
0: No, I, th- I think that's fair. I think there's been a few times, well, obviously this year, especially when the main roster and NXT have kind of crossed paths and we all kind of go, I kind of preferred how they did that down in NXT. As opposed to how they did it on Raw and SmackDown. That's why I think it's a real shame that Bailey and Sasha Banks weren't able to get their NXT match. I know they, had, they popped up there at one point, but it would have been awesome if they could have actually had a match there. I think, given the time, it would have just put a bit more importance on those belts. Because, I mean, it went what? It went Bailey, Sasha Banks, then it went the Iconics, and then it went the Kabuki Warriors, right? Oh, no, no, Alexa Bliss and yeah. Nikki Cross won yeah. it. I didn't. Yeah, so, so we've had four champions this year. And, yeah, I mean, I think the Kabuki Warriors are absolutely the, 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 the top choice at the moment. But yeah, it just surprises me. It absolutely surprises me that we don't, uh, we're not high, holding those belts in, 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 in higher regards. But again, that's, that's WWE for you. Uh, moving on to March, we have, we'll stick with WWE, actually, unless anything else pops up. I'm sure it will. But obviously, Fastlane, how, this, is, this is the crazy stuff, right? This is why it's cool to do these retrospectives. Because Fastlane was obviously the end of The Shield, you know, that was the, this was before Dean Ambrose had left and smashed it in in all elite wrestling. And, you know, we had them defeated Baron Corbin, Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre, a pretty decent match. I remember enjoying it. I remember enjoying it quite a lot. And you know, Kevin Owens was fighting Daniel Bryan for the championship. I had Mustafa Ali. It was a three-way. It was a triple threat match. I, uh, You know, he, he, Kevin Owens just came back from nowhere in February and kind of got lost in the shuffle almost instantly. It was, uh, I, I, we had the tease by Vince McMahon that Kofi Kingston was going to be in the title match. That it turned out to be in a handicap match against the bar. I mean, Fastlane was an absolutely nut show.
1: Yeah, they, they, they booked a lot of stuff, like, as the show was going on. You know, I, I remember that. Uh, for sure, and and yeah, like t- technically it was the the last match of the Shield. I mean, take out that uh, Shield's final chapter special that they did. Dean Ambrose only got paid five hundred bucks for that. <laughs> yeah, I
0: know. <laughs> but, uh, well, there you go th- right.
1: I mean, you can technically say that was the the Shield's last chapter, but no, their the, their last match on like a on like a big scale, yeah, it was at Fastlane. So it, it's it's pretty amazing how that uh, that time is gone. Um and and yeah a lot of people like to just forget about Fastlane because it's like the cuz cuz it's between, you know, the big Royal Rumble and WrestleMania sandwich where, you know, it's like like mm, elimination chamber is a is a solid show most of the time, but Fastlane just it just, it just gets crushed in there and people t- tend to forget about it. But, you know, they they sometimes have good matches on on that show. Well, I think it's one of those shows they could just get rid of, right? Because yeah. this was
0: during the time on Raw and SmackDown where we all felt like Becky Lynch, Ronda Rousey, and Charlotte Flair had peaked. But because we had to build to yet another event, it kind of got lost. Not lost, but you remember they did the angle in the police car, which was absolutely awesome. Oh, yeah. And there was, there was still a couple of weeks to go. And we're like, well, we've peaked already, but we have to keep going. I thought it was a bit... Um, yeah, just goes well. That's WWE's issue, right? It's another reason why I like AEW structure at the moment. Only having four pay-per-views a year, it, it restricts you having to fall into these, you know, in, into these holes where you feel like we've got another show coming up. We better do, we better do some stuff. And obviously, on fast as well, um, is when we had it was a Becky Lynch match, right? It was Becky Lynch versus Charlotte. Um, yeah, that's right. And then that's right. Because Becky Lynch won, she then got put into that triple threat match. So again, it's stipulations like that where you just don't you don't necessarily need it. But you feel like, well, we've got to make sure we have a reason for people to care.
1: Yeah. And, and, and she and she won by DQ
0: because Ronda attacked her, I think. That's right. Which actually is not so bad, all things considered. But again, it, it, it was almost done for the sake of doing it as opposed to... Um, it didn't necessarily serve the story 100%, but it had to happen because we had television to fill, which is why deep down inside of me, I'm kind of hoping it's not going to happen, but this is my dream. You know, we we take a step back with house shows and maybe we dump a pay-per-view here or there. You know, it's not lighting up the network, is it? The network, we're talking about the year in the review, the network numbers have gone down this year, which surprised many people. Most people thought it would creep up, but yeah, it uh, it, it didn't happen. So, um. That was, it. That, that was fast time. then, of course, we get to April and you, you get WrestleMania 35, which went on for 77 hours. <laughs> <laughs> but look, in hindsight, WrestleMania 35 did have a lot of good on it. It was just so I mean, 16 matches, if you include all the pre-show stuff, which if you were there live, you would have done. Um, but, you know, the, the first ever women's made event, I still think it's historic. And while not, it didn't really live up to the expectations some people thought. It still made... Uh, it still made Becky Lynch, which was awesome, and kicking off the show proper with Seth Rollins winning the Universal Championship, and obviously all the joy with Kofi Kingston winning, which was absolutely the highlight of the show, and maybe in hindsight should have gone on last, even though you know I was a, a big supporter of you know finally giving the women their due. It, 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 it's 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 know it wouldn't be in I don't think it would be in my top ten WrestleManias if I'm honest, but there were matches that you could pull out, which you know that we've mentioned. That were absolutely, you know, those three World Championship matches, not only did they give the fans what they wanted, and you know, some people were worried that we won't get, but they were all pretty, you know, pretty feel good. Again, the women struggled just because it came at such at the end of such a long, uh, you know, uh, whatever the right word would be, a long ride. But there were brilliance within it is what I think.
1: Yeah, a lot of people like to say, like, wrestlemania is too long the the way i look at it is treat it kind of sort of like a music festival type of thing because obviously festivals are you know super long as well uh i you know i've been to several where you know i i see a lot of bands that i've never seen or heard of but the the one i i know the one i want to see is like in a in a certain part of the show so I mean, obviously, it's hard to do that when you're live and in person, but I guess you can just, you know, get snacks or go to the restroom or something. But, you know, treat it t- kind of like a festival ordeal. Like, if a match is coming up that you're not particularly interested in, just kind of do something to to help relieve the... The, I, I guess, the, 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 the fatigue. I know what you
0: mean. Yeah, I know you mean. Um, yeah, just switch off for a bit, right? Just switch your brain off for a few minutes.
1: Yeah. And, uh, and to be honest, you know, WrestleMania, like being there live, uh, is, is on my bucket list. And, and, you know, I, I live out here in Vegas and we're obviously getting the uh, Raiders Stadium next year. So there's a, there's a really good chance that WrestleMania could come here in the near future. And, I'm going to go there, I'm I'm sure I'll have a great time, and then afterwards I'll say, I am never doing that again. <laughs> I'm watching it on TV from now on or something.
0: Yeah, I totally know what you mean, but you want to go because it's an experience, right? It's an Yeah, experience. It,
1: it, it's something every wrestling fan has to experience in person, and, you know, I, I've never had that experience before. And, again, it'll be cool in the moment, and I'm sure by the end I'll be like, yeah, I'm never doing that again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. I get it, man. It's 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 well, hopefully they start reducing the length of it, right? Because again, we you know we talked about the good. You know, AJ Styles versus Randy Orton was on that show. That got ruined by a giant light. <laughs> obviously, AJ Styles won. Shane McMahon defeating The Miz still makes no sense when you look back at it in hindsight. Now, Roman Reigns beating Drew McIntyre just faded into the distance. I quite like Triple H versus Batista, but it was the longest match on the show, and you know we could have cut ten minutes off that, which would have helped the overall feel of the event. Um, and obviously, you know we had another weird use of the demon, which I've never understood on the main roster when Finn Balor beat Bobby Lashley for the IC Championship. So yeah, it was just—it's just a very bloated card, I think, and, and I was there live, and I am obviously honoured to be there live, obviously covering it for What Culture. But you know, even when you take a step away from that, it was absolutely was—it was it was a, it was a difficult show to get through, just because you know, trying to do anything for seven hours is is pretty much impossible (laughs) like there's nothing you can do for that long without going the thing is if you know obviously Wrestle Kingdom and New Japan are doing this in 2020 if WWE wants to have these super cards run it over two shows you know run it i sorry run it over two nights I I never used to like that idea but the more I thought about it if you get if you can tell really good stories and you know, much like the Daniel Bryan thing. I know it was awesome that Daniel Bryan beat Triple H and then Randy Orton and Batista in the same evening, but you could equally have told that story over a weekend should you have wanted. I don't want that. I would rather we just did a, a WrestleMania at sort of four and a half hours tops, but I can't see that happening because we've seen to have, you know, 2019 especially is responsible for this. We seem to have morphed into this uh, place where we can run these crazy shows and that's okay. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Everyone just accepts, oh, so don't do pay per view. It will go on forever. <laughs>
1: Yeah, Um, I wouldn't mind seeing WrestleMania as a two-day event Uh, again kind of treats it, makes it like a music festival like I just said
0: yeah, that's a great shout, it's a really good comparison you
1: you know, you're able to split the card uh, between two days gives people some time to rest uh, before the next show yeah, I'm all for that idea especially, you know because WWE's has pretty much all the wrestlers in the world under their belt. So (laughs) (laughs) they, they literally can't do it all in one. Like they can't keep doing it all in one day because their roster is just so stacked and they want to put everyone on there. uh, Whether you're a main event guy or a jobber, they'll put you in there for, for, you know, for for the sake of it. Yeah. I'm all for WrestleMania being a two day thing. So Hopefully
0: yeah. that happens no, in the future. I agree. We'll see. I, mean, I don't think they're going to do it next year, but you never know. You never know what, what, what they've got. actually know they've got the whole world collide thing next year, but who knows? I guess maybe they'll see what New Japan does and and go from there and then we moved into may obviously we got money in the bank where we had the surprise (laughs) we had the surprise from brock lesnar (laughs) returning it's a real shame when wwe does stuff like this because i actually quite liked it but the negative reaction from the internet kind of ruined the moment a little bit i totally understand that it was going back to the well maybe one too many times but i did enjoy the surprise and it did kind of tie into everything that happened over over the next few months and you know if we were looking i know ali was the guy climbing the um was climbing the ladder. Would we really be looking back now at anything different to where we are now? You know, would WWE really have gone all in with him? My gut says no. So if that is the case, I don't mind
1: a surprise here and there. I thought it was all right. Hey, look. Yeah, I was kind of on the same boat as everyone. Like, really, we're giving the money in the bank briefcase to Brock, you know? But hey... (laughs) Well, Brock Lesnar turned the briefcase into a boombox, and he had, a, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he had his hoodie up. and was beatboxing. Like, I'm sorry, but that to me was brilliant. Okay, like, um, because it, it just added some character to Brock that we've never really seen before. You know, so yeah, I was, I was kind, of, I was against the decision of putting get, or giving him the briefcase, but <laughs> if it gave us beatboxing Brock, man. I, i'm all for
0: that to be honest I, to, I i totally agree man it gave us some good few weeks of tv right yeah. refund really and i don't think they would have gone all in with ali anyway no so we didn't actually miss out on anything i'm not saying that's good that they wouldn't have done i'm just going with what wwe has taught me uh, over the last over the last few years we should also obviously mention that bailey won the the women's money in the bank uh, back match as well which is massively important for her because obviously now at the end of the year she's like a super grand slam winner she's basically won everything yep um, and the and the only other thing that I want to to also remind everybody, <laughs> actually, of course, Bailey won that he did the title on that evening as well. But never forget, this was also when Shane McMahon beat the Miz again. Yep. When he fell out <laughs> of the cage. I mean, what? Who else did that happen to? Like he takes on the Undertaker. Obviously, Undertaker wins. He takes on AJ Styles. AJ Styles win. It, takes on
1: the Miz and ah, nah, screw it, it. it. Miz can lose. Shane literally wins because of sweat. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> that was uh we had a lot of shane mcmahon this year and again i'm not against shane mcmahon i was just against the use of shane mcmahon yeah. we went way overboard way overboard uh, but I, I know we're focusing on wwe but we can't you know i would be remiss if i didn't mention obviously 30, uh, 19th of may i should say you know which was um uh, so 19th of may was was money in the bank and then a week later we had double or nothing which was kind of the crowning ceremony for all elite wrestling uh, one of the most, you know, in terms of a what culture perspective, it is the most watched ups and downs video ever, which goes to show how much the community was clamoring for that. I mean, it did. It absolutely blew up that that thing, which was nuts. You know, you saw the arrival of John Moxley. We saw Chris Jericho defeating Kenny Omega. Um, actually, was that, that yeah, double or nothing is when uh, John Moxley turned up, didn't it? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. yeah am I right I, or am I, I just, wrong? I'm getting confused now. I was there. Yeah. Yeah. Of course you were. You went. Of course you were there. So, yeah, you know the deal. And yet, obviously, uh, Chris Jericho defeated Kenny Omega to become the number one contender. And that's where all of this started. That, this, is this to me, genuinely, if we're looking at events throughout the last 12 months, it's probably the most important one that we had because it launched a whole wrestling promotion and everybody loved it and everybody was into it. And we also had that match between Cody, uh, Cody and Dustin. I mean, how do you feel about it now looking back, man?
1: Does it still affect you how it did then? Man, that was probably... Well, no, not probably it is definitely the best non w w e show of the year you know whether i would whether I was sitting at home watching it or being there live it was a, it was a moment you know the all the pieces fell together or came together in the at the right time uh th- th- this was just a a historic moment for what they were able to pull off. You know, I said in the previous podcast that uh, Cody and Dustin made me cry. WWE's like never been able to make me do that, you know? <laughs> so uh, the, the, that is uh, so double or nothing is my favorite non WWE show of the year. And Cody and Dustin is my favorite non WWE match of the year. So
0: yeah, I think it's I think it's one of the matches of the year as well, just in general.
1: It, it was, a, it was a very special night and de- definitely one to remember. Well, I'll, I'll, and I'll definitely remember it. And again, not for the fact that it was just the show; it was the entire weekend because you had Starcast and all my favorite YouTubers, uh, aside from you, they all came out to this great event. I got to meet them, and yeah, it, I will remember that forever
0: <laughs> and that that and that's what matters man that's what wrestling is there to do it's there to give you memories and it, it was a really cool card as well obviously that's when we had the young bucks versus the lucha brothers for the oh. AAA a tag team titles which was just that's their best match to me that they had all year that was just
1: yeah L- L- incredible lucha bros are my favorite non-wwe tag team
0: yeah no i think that's fair i think that's fair i think that's why i can't i don't get why EW aren't using them as a tag team at the moment but that's another conversation <laughs> uh, another conversation for another day you move into june and obviously, this is where WWE usually goes through its low period. Kind of The the uh, effects from WrestleMania has worn off. It, we've kind of fallen back into the status quo. And a lot of people that jump back on in January think, you know what? I'm not going to watch WWE. I'm going to take a break, which a lot of people need to do. And I think we kind of saw that as stomping grounds. You know, <laughs> you know, Seth Rollins beating Baron Corbin is it's not really a feud that most people wanted to see. Uh, Kobe Kingston versus Dolph Ziggler felt like a feud that had been thrown together. You know, obviously, Roman Reigns was taken on Drew McIntyre with Shane McMahon in his corner. Uh, just a lot of kind of matches that... It didn't. Re- again, I, we're not looking back at any of them now as classics, is what I would say. It was enjoyable enough at the time. And it's also when we kind of started to merge Seth Rollins with Becky Lynch and Baron Corbin with Lacey Evans, which, you know, all tied into them being in a relationship, which was odd. Just an odd, odd, strange middle of the year.
1: Yeah. Again, this is just a this definitely proves that you know once wwe find their their uh company, company man and company woman it's hard to it's hard to follow them winning the titles cuz um i mean look at it this way Lacey evans could have been a viable contender for the raw women's title if they had built her up to it but they didn't do that. They needed somebody to feud with Becky while while Ronda was away. And mm-hmm. b- because WWE doesn't really build stars very well, they just said, eh, the tall blonde chick. Put her in there. And then, obviously, when it was made public that Seth and Becky were together, you know, the, WWE thought they could help elevate that by putting them together in mixed tag matches. And yeah, it's, it was way more awkward than, than anything else. Um, and, and again, it's like Seth defeats Brock and Mania and his first opponent is Baron Corbin. Uh, I, I mean, look, honestly, uh, I think Baron Corbin is, I think he's really gotten back on his feet a little bit. Cause I, I think the King gimmick right now is kind of helping him. I mean, again, it's just the the his creative that's suffering because he's, you know, making dog jokes at Roman. But, um, but he was good in the King of the Ring tournament, and yeah, he was. And the again, being the king is helping, you know, add some dimension to his character. I just wish his his uh, his booking was better. And but but yeah, back then, yeah, no one wanted to see uh, Baron Corbin against. They
0: Seth. did. They did especially because we were only sort of five months removed from the McMahons coming out and saying, oh, we're sorry, you know, we're not going to do this anymore. It's all Baron Corbin's fault. Screw Baron Corbin. (laughs) And then it was like, oh, no, you know, it felt like, It felt like empty words, and I think that upset people, which I understand, which I understand, (laughs) especially because, obviously, in July, when you get to Extreme Rules... Now, look, the match itself was better than I expected it to be. You know, Seth and Becky taking on Baron Corbin and Lacey Evans in a... I've I've got it up here because I couldn't remember. In a last chance, winners take all Extreme Rules mixed tag match. Too much, WWE. Too much. But, you know, it's... um, yeah, it, 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 the match itself was decent, and I remember when Baron Corbin gave the uh, end of days to Becky Lynch. Everybody went crazy. Yeah,
1: that, that but, was the spot of the that was the spot of the match, and it, it actually yeah that was it. it, it kind of woke the crowd up and like, oh, this could actually go somewhere. You know, I actually liked that.
0: No, I totally and also is when Brock Lesnar obviously came out and won the <laughs> won the universal championship which i also like i like the surprise and again we've already talked about why <clears throat> you know you know why i didn't mind it but again a very very i don't like using the term bloated but You know, it was a bit of a bloated card, and you had things like Alistair Black defeating Cesaro, which really should have been an awesome feud that lasted a few months but didn't. It was just there. Kevin Owens was fighting Dolph Ziggler, and Kobe Kings defeating Savo Joe was quite good. But again, it's just there are so, even that in itself, there are so many feuds that we have that now I look back on, I would have liked to have a bit more. Uh, just, to, just to draw them out a little bit more. I mean, like, I totally forgot The Undertaker was on Extreme Rules this year. <laughs> and he was teaming on Rome, he's teaming with Roman Reigns to take on Shaw, Stray McIntyre, uh, sorry, uh, Shane McMahon and Drew McIntyre. And it's all these little oddities that at the time sort of created somewhat of a buzz and somewhat of a reaction, but didn't really have any consequences. And I think that's uh, been a criticism that a lot of us have had about WWE. is that stuff just happens, right? Like, there's no. It's not an episodic TV show to a certain point in that you don't get. Yeah, you don't get the 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 fallout. You don't get the consequences, like I say. And when we are going through these these pay per view cards now, you, you kind of see it, and doubly so because you know July was Extreme Rules, but AEW weren't hanging around either because they had Fight for the Fallen. Now, Fight for the Fallen to me felt very much like uh, in your you remember the in your house shows from back in the day? Oh yes. Like you know, it felt very much like that. Now, I don't mean that in a disparaging way because obviously the in your house shows were meant to be B shows just so WWE could run more events, but. I guess that's my point. Again, nothing massive came out from that. I mean, it was Kenny Omega versus Chima, right? Or how have you pronounce that guy's name? And the Young Chima. Chima, yeah. The Young Bucks defeating Cody and Dustin Rhodes. But these were very much showcase spectacle matches. They were just there to, you know, fill a void before we got to TV. But the fact I kind of remember that card more than I remember Extreme Rules, aside from the, the things we've talked about. You know, that sums up the shift that we were having in the summer. I think it's balanced out a little bit more now, obviously, with the NXT and the AEW war and all of that. But I, yeah, I don't know. It just I find it crazy that you can look at those two cards, one of which was meant to be a big WW pay-per-view. The other was just AEW treading water. And yet I probably remember as much from both. It's just, it just, it just surprises me. We also had Smackville in July. Let's not forget. We don't need to talk about Smackville. Uh, Smack- <laughs> <laughs> the crazy thing as well is I forgot this until I started looking through the year. You then move into August with SummerSlam when Seth Rollins obviously reclaimed the championship from Lesnar, mm-hmm. which means that you know Brock held on to it for less than a month. When does Brock ever hold on to a championship for less than a month?
1: Yeah, and that that's what everyone's worry was when Brock. Uh, cashed in and took the belt. We thought we were going to get another like six to 12 months of of Lesnar with the belt and not showing up every week on TV. That, that, the, uh, that concern was running through everybody's head. And I, I think everyone breathed a sigh of relief when Seth took it off of him in SummerSlam. And but I think they did that as a way to, you know, because again, this was during Seth's first kind of downward spiral, and they needed to build him back up. It's and that's when he had that really good match with Lesnar at Summerslam and took the belt off him. But here we are again. Seth is in a down, downward spiral, you know. And yeah, it was a, like I said, it was a great match, but uh, it it was uh, something Seth needed at the time, but. Seth now kind of needs something else, you know, and and right now they're they're kind of building something with Seth. And, I'm, and it's really intriguing, uh, you know, since he's not the champion anymore. But I, again, we'll see. We should also
0: mention around this time, given that it was the debut of The Fiend, who took on Finn Balor at SummerSlam. Yep. You know, fr- from April onwards is when. Bray Wyatt returned to our screens the Firefly Funhouse. I mentioned this on the show the other day like when we're talking about wrestlers of the year, if you want to focus completely on persona and characterization and you want to throw Bray in there, I I wouldn't be against it. I wouldn't argue it. I think while the Hell in the Cell stuff certainly harmed his momentum, you know, you can't have that you can't have that take away from the good that he did. That's not fair. You know, yeah. they, they, just because I'm trying, to kind of think of a thing now. But you know, if if a movie comes out and the sequel sucks, the the, the original movie is still great, and everything that Brock Lesnar brought Lesnar, everything that Bray White was able to do, uh, especially given the awful booking that he had been in before all this. I mean, again, he's fighting Finn Balor at SummerSlam, and last time we saw Bray White versus Finn Balor, Bray White for some reason put a scarf on his head and pretended to be Sister <laughs> Abigail, like it was, a, and the presentation and the um, the lamp he had, you know, with his severed head. And the red lighting was controversial, but, you know, everything that he did, uh, it it, it was kind of like a a part of pro wrestling that maybe had been missing from WWE. And the fact that we were able to buy into this was, quite frankly, a ridiculous character all around. And we still are, even with all the, the hurdles and the obstacles that we faced. Again, it's why he gets a huge nod for me in 2019. He's a wrestling genius. Maybe not when it comes to his in-ring work, although I think he's more than capable of doing that. But in terms of what goes into yeah, everything outside of the ring or even a presentation point of view, I genuinely think he's a wrestling genius because he's now, he's now two for two. As soon as he worked out what he wanted to do and was given a bit of rope, he has created two absolutely wonderful characters that... I know for a fact, I've got more people interested in wrestling, but also ones that I'll always look back on with a smile on my face, much like I used to do when I was a kid. And maybe that's something that we, uh, we've missed.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, Bray Wyatt is definitely the kind of the more fresh and interesting things that WWE have, uh, has had, uh, over the past several years. Um, I mean, I ended one of our previous podcasts by saying "Yowie, wowie." I mean, that's how... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's how much people, uh, well, us as fans, love him. Uh, you know, granted, the, the first video packages we were seeing, you know, with Mercy the Buzzard, Abby the Witch, those were a little bit weird at first. But then once it was revealed, like, oh, he's actually like a Mr. Rogers type of character, and then... I think about a week or so later he reveals, oh, he actually has this demonic side to him. And then that the first look at the fiend, you literally say, Yowie wowie. <laughs> that is the coolest thing I've ever seen.
0: So Yeah, it's right. It was cool, man, right? And sometimes WWE lacks coolness. Yeah.
1: And and of course, that that made us uh really anticipate, like, oh, when are we gonna see this guy in the ring? And then that's when they you know, built it with uh, Finn Balor, and s- sadly he was the first uh, sacrificial lamb. But, and, but in a way, that was a good thing, not just for the not not just for the fiend in his first match, but look where Finn Balor is now. He's in NXT, and he's happy with what he's doing. So, yeah, it worked out for everybody, I think. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and obviously at SummerSlam as well, we had we we went over this entirely because I try and forget about the Saudi Arabia shows, but yeah. obviously Goldberg came back to uh, balance out everything that happened between him and the Undertaker at uh, Super Showdown or whatever the hell it was called this year earlier in the year in Saudi Arabia. Um, you know that went down in June. Obviously, here we are a couple of months later with Goldberg coming back. I uh, you know I think we should probably focus more on the Saudi Arabia show, because obviously Goldberg just smashed off Ziggler here in what I thought was an awesome match. I, there was a lot of, there's a lot that went wrong in terms of the build and in terms of the stuff that, you know, Goldberg did like, you know, don't smash your, <laughs> smash your head into a, <laughs> into a locker or a door, whatever he did before and then concuss yourself. But it was, you know, I think everybody, Undertaker's admitted to it. Goldberg's admitted to it. It was just one of those matches that was a shame. Uh, especially because they're two legends. But I did think we were, uh, I don't want to say that we were too harsh. That's the, it was always going to get that kind of reaction. But yeah, again, sitting here now looking back, not the best, not, not, not ideal in any stretch of imagination.
1: Yeah. Again, I said it in a previous podcast, Undertaker versus Goldberg would have been amazing 20 years ago. And the, the fact that, you know, both of them in their fifties and they're competing in a hundred degree weather, you know, it it doesn't benefit anybody, you know, and and obviously, you know Goldberg watched that spot where he, where he just completely started bleeding. Yeah, not a very fun thing to remember, and that's why I actually enjoyed their uh, return matches, like Undertaker teaming with Reigns at Extreme Rules. That was fun. Goldberg squashing Ziggler. That was fun. So it definitely helped erase the the, the stink of that match. So. <laughs> um, so yeah people could criticize me for for that for liking those weird matches because i uh i've heard people say you know when goldberg was coming back to SummerSlam, like why are we bringing goldberg in you know we gotta stop bringing in these old timers stop bringing in these you know old legends that you know can't really go it's like well i mean it's honestly a sad fact that these older guys are are drawing more than the than the current talent, you know. Once yeah, once again, like that,
0: bigger stars, right? Yeah. That
1: goes back to me saying WWE doesn't know how to build stars. That's why they got to. That's why they got to bring in the old guys, and it is a shame. It's a big shame, um, but but again, you just can't help but feel like when you see these matches, it's like, oh, all right, that 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 did something for me and it makes me forget about the the last time i saw this person you know what i'm saying
0: No, you are totally right as well like you you are it's uh, <coughs> even if you're the most ardent wwe fan you can't ignore you you can't ignore that you can't it's it's just true and i get excited about goldberg coming back and undertaker coming back it's why you know the stone cold steve austin undertaker show they just did on w network was oh, you know i think it, um, it was outwatched by everything other than survivor series people love it people want to see what they're doing uh, yeah i loved that special it was good. It was really, really good. We moved into September. Obviously, Clash of Champions. It goes exactly to my point earlier. Seth Rollins defeated Braun Strowman after about 72 curb stomps. <laughs> I totally forgot. I totally forgot that Braun Strowman had even been in, uh, you know, the, the, that championship match. And, it, you know, around this time as well, there was a lot of good stuff going on. This is when the whole Eric Rowan, Rowan Reigns, Luke Harper, Daniel Bryan stuff was, you know, was, was building. And, Dan, you know, Luke Harper made a surprise return. It's a shame we didn't get the, the, the Roman Reigns, Daniel Bryan feud that we were meant to. But that was the most interesting thing at this time for me when it came to WWE. You know, we're building to the arrival of AVW in October and the move to SmackDown. And I actually thought that was, I, I just thought a lot of the stuff here was, was well done. Again, there's just so many feuds that I completely forgot about. Which is, which is I know there's a lot of resting on TV, but, you know, I want iconic feuds. I want to be able to get to the end of the year and think, oh man, that, that really defined these last 12 months. And I don't really think we got it this year. Maybe you could argue Brock Lesnar versus Seth Rollins. But now, with everything that has happened, there's kind of an asterisk by that.
1: Yeah. Um I was actually really surprised that when uh, Harper interfered with uh, Rowan's match, because, th- you know, th- this was at a time where we were well familiar with the fact that he wants to leave because they're just not, he, th- they're not using him for anything. So when he pops up in this match, I'm like, oh, wow, it's Harper. You know, maybe we'll actually get something from him. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, it was a lot of good that did, and now Eric Rowan is going coochie coochie coo into a camera. <laughs>
0: what do you What do you think's in the cage? One guess. What's oh, in the cage,
1: dear? Uh, I What the hell? It's. Uh, I remember when Eric Rowan used to wear a sheep mask? Yes, I would. It's a baby sheep. <laughs> That's my <what I> guess. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's a little bit well, cheap. I don't know. It's a, good a guess, it's a good a guess as any, man. It's a good a guess as any. Uh, moving into October, I mean, biggest biggest year, uh, biggest month, sorry, of the year. No question. You know, SmackDown moves to Fox. Mm. Dynamite debuts on TNT and around the world in various different things. We get the whole NXT moves to USA Network. You know, out of everything else that we've seen this year, there is no question that October is is something that we're going to be looking and talking about it for, you know, for a long time at the moment, we don't exactly know how it was going to play out. If AEW is going to be a long-term success, if moving AEW to TV was a good idea, but it is, it's that, you know, October, 2019, the month when wrestling changed, hopefully for the better.
1: Yeah. So you had, uh, you had Monday night raw, which completely rebranded their image with, you know, a new intro, new stage pyro for once. Um, and then Wednesday, you had uh, the premiere of Dynamite going up against NXT. Friday, you had SmackDown. Sunday, you had Hell to Cell. Uh, it, it was a crazy week in wrestling. and But sadly, there are things that happened on some of those shows, primarily WWE, that a lot of us aren't very fond of. But the, But you are right. That is definitely a memorable week because that was like the week that, you know, the landscape of wrestling just completely changed because we got a brand new American wrestling promotion on weekly television and we got the big corporate giant that, you know, they completely, uh, uh, upgraded their brands. So yeah, uh, memorable in that sense, but, again
0: well me- memorable because of Helena cell as well right you know for all the for all the well, good that October offered up it was also that to me it's rare to get universal backlashes in WWE there is usually the odd voice crying out that they disagree but there, there were there were a few but by and large everybody absolutely just could not stand that main event between Bray White and Seth Rollins
1: well yeah I would say that October if we're looking at it in terms of WWE's worst month this year. October would definitely be uh, number one because, because, like you said, the Hell in a Cell main event. Um, and then, obviously, Kofi getting completely squashed by Lesnar, which led into his match with Cain Velasquez at Crown Jewel. Only lasted two minutes. <laughs> so, that, that's what we sacrificed Kofi's title run for. So, <laughs> so yeah. in In terms of creative decisions... October is definitely the worst for WWE this year.
0: Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't, yeah, the, yeah, the, the, the Brock Lesnar thing was bad. The um, the Rollins-Bray-White thing was bad. It just left a lot of bad taste in people's mouths. Look, You know, fair play. I mean, I'm not going to just, I don't like talking about Saudi Arabia shows, so we'll skip over it. Yeah, They did, you know, I don't mind people failing and making a mistake and trying to rectify it, which they did. They did do their best to rectify it, but it did obviously hurt things. It hurt things a little bit. Um, And, you know, it was around this time as well. It was just after, you know, we had the King of the Ring tournament, which was very good. I thought it, yeah. was, very, it was a massive highlight for well, WWE. Yeah. It's a, you know, it, it kind of breathed new life into Baron Corbin, as we talked about. Didn't like the direction of Shorty G, but Chad Gable <sighs> was at least able to showcase the Don't even the get me started on that. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. And obviously, Hell in a Cell is when the Kabuki Warriors won the, won the titles, the tank titles. So, yeah, there was a lot, you know, there, there, there's, it was kind of going in the right direction. But then when you move into November, which obviously we're just coming out the back of now as we have this conversation with the Survivor Series, you know, things did pick up again. You know, everybody, oh. you know, the, the, the I didn't know how they were ever going to get away with having a brand versus brand thing after this whole year. We didn't even mention the wild cards, the problem with these retrospectives, but, you know, they did. They were able to do it, and that was with the simple admission of NXT, and actually that's where the Saudi Arabia show helped because, you know, that... When they got stuck in the country and they had to come up with a plan, the NXT Invasion special was one of the best SmackDowns we've seen. It got people reinvested. Everybody wanted to see where it was going to go. And really, they built the whole the pay per view off that one that one thing. And when we got there, I did think they delivered. Not everything, you know, smashed it out of the park. But ultimately, they really shone a spotlight on NXT. And if you look at the ratings, maybe maybe it was an absolute success. So I mean I guess if you kind of look over the last sort of couple of weeks again to where we are now yeah you definitely know, we aren't in the worst position I think that my major issue is again just when you watch raw you don't 100% know <laughs> you don't know what's going to go what what's going to happen but I I would say that survivor series was a success and obviously you know in november as well we had full gear which I would also call a success and it came out with a massive talking point you know, the whole John Moxley, Kenny Omega, crazy lights out match. What did you think about that, dude? I don't think we've talked about that. And if we have, I've utterly forgotten.
1: Yeah, uh, I'll just say this real quick about Survivor Series. Um, that was probably, uh, well, it's definitely the one of the best WWE pay per views this year. I'd put it in the top five if yeah, I had I to. Um, the, yeah, the build with NXT was fantastic. The, the matches mostly were great. Um, Lesnar versus Mysterio was amazing storytelling. Um, once again, just shows that Survivor Series seems to be the the holy grail for Brock Lesnar because that's when he puts on his best matches. Uh, yeah, that's true. I, I loved all the the Survivor Series matches on that show. Yeah, just really great show. It didn't drag on too long. Um, so yeah, Survivor Series definitely made up for. Uh, a couple of WWE's mishaps. But yeah, so on to full gear and uh really great show. Uh, I think Cody Jericho was the match of the night. Um, the MJF uh, heel turn. Uh, I think a lot of people said it was too early. I think it was just fine the way it was.
0: Yeah, I agree. No, I agree. I totally and agree.
1: then, yeah, the whole Moxie Omega thing. All right. I'm kind of like you because you're not really big on hardcore wrestling, right?
0: I don't mind it here and there, but I have a line personally. I think professionally, you should, if both people agree, you should be able to do whatever the hell you want. But yeah, I have a line that when it gets too nuts, personally, I do start to shy away from it a little bit because it gets a bit too, like, oh my gosh. <laughs> then, yeah. You know, I, I'm glad it kind of happens, but I, I will, yeah, I'll, I'll shut off a little bit.
1: <clears throat> All right. So. Here's what I think. Now, like you, you know, uh, I will uh, I will watch hardcore matches, but only in small doses. Um, I don't want them to happen all the time. Uh, now, because this was like a 40-minute hardcore match, um, it definitely kind of scratched that little itch for me, like, you know, because I haven't seen anything hardcore in like a really long time uh, and obviously, at some point, I was like, "Okay, this might be getting a little too much um, but when I look at it in terms of uh you know who's in the match, obviously it, with john moxley he he got his start in hardcore wrestling, so. And because he was in WWE for so long, which is a very tame family family product, you know, he just felt trapped. And so when he finally got out, he was like, "Okay, I can finally uh, do what I want to do. And I want to rediscover, like, I want to go back to my hardcore roots. So and I think that's where I think that's probably where the idea of setting up this unsanctioned match with Kenny Omega Uh, started and 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 when you uh, look back we were originally supposed to have Moxley and Omega at All Out which we completely missed by the way Um, (laughs) but obviously the match didn't happen because Moxley had surgery on his elbow I think so the the, the hype for Moxley versus Omega was there and when we finally got it They're like, okay, let's go really ball to the wall crazy here, do an unsanctioned match and do think of the most hardcore stuff we can think of. So I think in terms of, you know, Moxley wanting to go back to his hardcore roots for one night and he wanted to be against somebody who can go the distance. And obviously that's Kenny Omega because he can go can go over an hour. As we've seen in the past, and, and and trust me, after it was over, um, all I could think of was, okay, the, these guys need to chill the f out, <laughs> let their bodies recover, because they literally put themselves through hell, and just, I don't know, it's definitely while I was watching it. It was like, oh my God, this is crazy, but in a kind of good way. And then, but then it felt like once it was getting too crazy, I was like, okay, I think we can kind of end this now. And when it finally did end, I was, I just literally sat back, wiped the sweat off my forehead, just like, whew, that was really (laughs) exhausting. So, yeah, I, so I didn't hate it as a lot of people did. Um, like I said, it it scratched a little itch for me, but it I think it kind of scratched a little too hard towards the end.
0: no, I think dude, I think that is summed up wonderfully, and i I, I, I agree with you. i'm I'm happy for them to do it. I'm glad they did it. I'm glad people enjoyed it um i just i wouldn't want to see it every week i think i get no. i think i'd have to turn off i think i think i would have to i would have to turn off and that's it that's kind of where we are at the year you know we're building up to TLC where we have currently zero matches announced because it's <laughs> WWE and that's what we do and we look forward to 2020 i don't i think the raw rumble is going to be a big deal i think AEW's first pay-per-view of that year in february is going to be a big deal you know when we get there those 12 months are going to be a bit different because The whole status quo is different. Well, the whole status quo has changed, I should say, and we now accept it. But I guess if I look back over 2019, I would call it a typical WWE year. Some real strong points, some real highlights, uh, some real crazy times as well where you just shake your head. But, you know, if I'm going to give a a defining moment over the whole thing, it's got to be, you know, AEW coming to... Coming to the uh, coming to the dance, doing their thing, not really slipping up right now, and you know ratings be damned or anything like that. I think they're in for a, a really good twenty twenty, and I hope that is true. And I hope WWE smashes it. I hope Impact smashes it. I hope everybody comes together and just smashes it over the next twelve months.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I will say this: AEW Dynamite is not a hundred percent perfect, as a lot of people no. like to. I was like saying, to it. To say
0: that they get mad yeah exactly yeah people get mad
1: <laughs> i mean if we look at this recent episode of dynamite i mean i think it's safe to say they're not getting everything perfect but no um but but again it's it's still uh it's still a fresh product and uh it's probably going to be fresh for the foreseeable future um i guess when you look at the ratings obviously you know viewership is going down but i don't know i i think it'll be fine um i'm sure they'll they'll get to another high point and uh yeah and we'll all benefit from it because to me there's no wednesday night war it's wednesday night wrestling in my opinion damn so,
0: right dude everybody wins everybody wins
1: yeah so uh so so uh, real quick let's do some uh like quickfire stuff of like what's our favorite stuff like so who would you say is like the best uh, male superstar of the year
0: uh my favorite male superstar of the year i'd probably give it to cody rhodes you
1: oh man <laughs> again because that incredible match with dustin i'd probably put him up there um uh, i'll say chris jericho you know he's completely reinvented himself yet again <laughs> he is he is the meme generator of 2019 And he's doing a fantastic job with it. So I will say Chris Jericho.
0: And my match of the year would be Chris Jericho versus Cody Rhodes as well. Cody Rhodes versus Dustin Rhodes would would be in there. But I I got such a kick out of uh, Jericho versus Cody and the bill that uh, that would be my match of the year.
1: Yeah. uh, What's your favorite WWE match of the year?
0: Uh, my favorite WWE match of the year would probably be Kofu Kingston versus Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania. Just from the, you know, for the emotional ending of it, I was just so happy and I was so pleased for him.
1: Yeah, yeah, excellent choice. Uh, yeah, my favorite non WWE match is definitely Cody versus Dustin, because like I said, brought me to tears. Um, and here is something you probably didn't expect: uh, my favorite WWE match of the year uh, would have to be from uh, NXT Takeover Cardiff. Walter versus Tyler Bate for the the Eastern title. I mean, holy cow. (laughs) That match was insane. If you could make Jim Cornette say that was a magnificent match, you know you've done well. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I mean... No, totally, man. I I knew, like, in the back of my head, I was like, I knew Tyler Bate wouldn't win. But, man, the the emotion towards the end of that match was... it, It had me marking out, you know? And I... And, and I mean mark out big, and I usually never mark out big, you know, when I'm sitting at home watching wrestling. You know what I'm saying? So that would be my favorite WWE match of the year.
0: Yeah, and I, I although I, I kind of think that wrestler of the year should always be uh, you know, non gender specific. I will say, yeah. if we are bringing genders into it, Becky Lynch is, is easily my women wrestler of the year. I just think that she, she she took all the momentum she she gained last year and she's become one of the most important, if not the most important person in WWE, and that speaks volumes.
1: Yeah, uh, Be- Becky's definitely done really well for herself. I will say that. Um, honestly, I have to say, mine is Rhea Ripley. I think she's come that's fair. I think she's come a very She's come very far in such a short time and she, she's definitely going to be a star. And I, I, I look forward to, to seeing her just completely smash it.
0: Hell yeah, man. I a fair point. You know, she's, she's put herself right in the, well, right in the frame to be a massive star in that company. And good for her. Good for her. I massively respect it. You got any more categories or is that's pretty much it, Ryan?
1: Uh, all right. Uh, we'll end on this. Uh, so we got the Royal rumble next month.
0: Uh-huh. Um,
1: who would you like to see as a surprise entrant, and and what kind of like kind of little mark out moment during the match, uh, either men or women's, would you like to see?
0: Well, my surprise was always going to be John Morrison, which has kind of been ruined by WWE backstage this year. <laughs> yeah, week. yeah. I, I, I still think that is where he will re debut. Outside of that, I can't think of anybody else that even have on their books that they could they they could bring in. But I would imagine. That they will, the, the, the uh, sort of the nudge, nudge, wink, wink will be something between John. I, I think John Morrison will throw the Miz out, basically. I think that's the first feud they're going to do when he comes back. And I think they're going to have a tete for tete in the Rumble where they pretend that they're friends. And then, I mean, I think we'd probably have to turn Miz heel by that point. But I can see it happening. But I, I, I can kind of think that's going to be the, oh, here we go kind of a moment. So yeah, I, it's not really a surprise anymore. But yeah, John Morrison would be my my go to on that one.
1: All right. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to go completely insane on mine. Let's <laughs> do <laughs> if you it. You don't mind. Um, so I would like to see the Royal Rumble debut of Cassius. Ono And he has a stare down with Cesaro. Cause they have history.
0: Hey, that, that, yeah, that, yeah. Hell yeah, man. Heroes are wrestling.
1: They have history there. So I think a lot of the people in the building would just completely mark out if they saw that. Um, and then, all right, what the hell? Uh, Matt Riddle will be one of the surprise uh, NXT entrants. And then, as the clock's counting down, Goldberg comes out. And we get Matt Riddle (laughs) versus Goldberg in the Rumble. (laughs) Dude,
0: (laughs) why not, man? And Goldberg can throw Matt Riddle out, and the internet wrestling community will lose their mind. And I will sit there and laugh. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I love it, dude. I hope it happens. I hope yours happened more than mine. That's much more fun. Uh, that's much more fun uh, on that note we will we will bid everybody adieu uh, we'll try and do some more episodes as the year 2019 ends just looking at you know certain points in wrestling maybe that we haven't touched upon today but I certainly enjoyed that Nick that was your idea good shout man I enjoyed that a lot thank you and uh, thank you for the support as always again if you want to come on the podcast you can patreon.com forward slash simonmiller316 have a little look at all the tiers see if one you fancy and if you could come aboard that would be great uh, if, you, know, rest, you know, Christmas is coming up you want some wrestling merch simonmiller.bigcartel.com. I'm on Instagram and Twitter at simonmiller316. And I have a YouTube channel. Just search for Simon Miller. And if you could give me a subscribe, that would mean more to me than anything. I am but a few thousand away from 100,000K. means nothing, but it would make me feel good inside. In the meantime, enjoy your December weekend, and I will chat to you again next week.